what we're going to do this morning, guys, is continue in our series, The Gospel in Motion. And if you have not been coming for a while, you, you missed a few uh, sessions, you can go on to gracepoint.com and you can um, pick it up on our webpage, the whole series. I'm not going to be using this today, guys. My new uh, apparatus will be in tomorrow, so I don't have to worry about that. And uh, what we're going to do, if you were here the last two weeks, we did two weeks in uh, chapter 2. And there's a third part of chapter 2 I'm not going to really cover into chapter 4 because it talks about the church and the relationships when we talk about the church of Philippi, uh, Philippian church, the Philippian people. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to chapter 3, and we're going to go through uh, 1 through 11. And what I call this one is profit and loss. Because Paul, as you see, as we start to read, you'll see Paul start to act like an accountant. I took accounting in high school. Whatever you gain, you had to have a loss. Whatever plus up, you got to minus out. He talks about it. He's, he talks about his accounting co- uh, counts about his own life. And he discovered some things. And we're going to read and unpack this. And then we're, what we're going to do toward the second half of this message, we're going to all take communion together in unity. And on my heart, my prayer is that you will not put your trust in that which will move. You put your whole heart in Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Now, my emotions aren't, but he is. And trust him and want to move in him. I hope this breaks loose the frustration some of you have been living under expectations that which can't fulfill, only Christ can fulfill those expectations you're trying to, uh, trying to fulfill or what you expect. He can only fulfill those things in your life. So the, what I want to do is we're going to break this thing down in the 1 through 7 and then the 8 through 11. The first one is gain is loss. Gain is loss. The second part, 8 through 11, is loss is gain. That doesn't make any sense in accounting, but I'm going I'm to make some sense to it because if you look at the United States today, this is how we're living our lives, the wrong way. Amen? So let's go here. Philippians 3, 1 through 7. If you have your phones, you can use your phones. If you have a, uh, a Bible, get in your Bibles. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Philippians um, chapter 3, 1 through 7. It says, finally, my brothers, I love this part, rejoice in the Lord. Now, the words finally, if you read it, you'll feel like, okay, here's a preacher about the clothes. You know how preachers got 15 closings? But the word really means, finally means, in the Greek it means, in addition to. And then Paul goes right into it right here. Rejoice in the Lord. In this world where we're looking for happiness all over, we cannot put our happiness, cannot, happiness cannot, or our joy cannot depend on that which is external. It can only depend on the Lord. We cannot depend our happiness on circumstances. It can only be in the Lord. You can have a great circumstance today and have a bad one tomorrow, and your emotions will go this way. But remember, Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He never moves. It's like this post here. I have joy all every day I come in here because this isn't moving. If this moved, the ceiling's coming down. If it was on jacks, it's not, the ceiling's not going to hang with it. It's solid, just like our Lord and Savior, 
is solid. So you put your joy in that which is solid. Your faith only has to be, is only as good as the object you put it in. And he is a strong and unmovable object. And this is what Paul was saying, because then he's going to transition to something. He's going to get raw. He's going to start calling people. He said, to write these things to you is no trouble to me, safe for you. Now look where he goes with this. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though myself, I have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. Couldn't find nothing on me. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. You see how he transitioned, look out for the dogs. Now, if you know your Hebrew history, the pure Jews called, the gen- called us, non-Jews, dogs. But Paul's turning it. He's an apostle to the Gentiles, saying they're dogs. The reason why is because they were preaching Christ and, the gospel and. Be careful. Anybody says the gospel and, Christ and. No, Christ alone, not Christ and. They were trying, they were pushing, they were trying to push the people who got born again. If you look at the book of Galatians, Paul was very upset. Telling them the only way you can be born again, the only way you can have salvation is you follow all the Jewish laws and rules. You get circumcised. Otherwise, whatever happened to you by the Holy Spirit does not count. And people's joy was getting squashed. And a lot of things start taking place that they had to fix in Jerusalem from these Judaizers, they call them. So anyone who says you're born again, Christ, you need to do this and this and this, there's no Christ and anything. There's only Christ alone. Salvation doesn't come from anywhere else but Jesus. Christianity is Christ, not and, not the rules. That's why I told you last week, we don't look at people's behavior, we look at the beliefs. You behave the way you believe. When we start doing behavior, that becomes works. So they were talking about true circumcision. He said, what is circumcision of Christ and the glory in Christ? And he looked at Galatians 6.15 says this, For neither circumcision count for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Only new creation counts. All the external stuff does not count. Christ alone. We have a lot of synthetic faiths out there now. People trying to visit the Old Testament and and we want to do it this way and do that. Why? Christ alone. Why will you put yourself in bondage? It's confusing. Then he gets into how to count. Gain is loss. Everything I've gained, I count as loss. And I was reading and I was like, where do you find this at? Well, I had an example. You know, today's society, 
You heard this part. The only way the economy can rise up is to us to spend more money. If you spend your money, that's why you have tax breaks. I'm not political. You have tax breaks, so you'll spend your money. If you spend your money, our economy will be better. So if you go in debt, gaining all this stuff that you really don't care about because you're going to have a big garage and you can't fit your car in there, and you gain all, and you're the man, got the tractors, got everything, you're cool. But you lose your freedom because you're working for the stuff. So you lose that area. Versus if you get out of debt, you lose your debt, you gain what? Freedom. So you can go to work anywhere you want to go to work. You don't have to go to work because I got to pay for this stuff. A lot of us are working because you're paying for the stuff. You don't even, you don't even like what you're doing. But you got stuff. Oh, I'm hitting a lot of stuff here. Let me back up for y'all hit me with something. So he was saying, everything I gain, my popularity, my religious education, when he talks about all these things, um, he says, I am, what do you say? Okay, there it goes. Circumcised the eighth day, a pure Jew. The tribe of Benjamin. You can't know about the tribe of Benjamin. Two tribes that were left after, the, uh, after they were um, um, dispersed. In the very beginning, when the northern kingdom fell, the southern kingdom, Benjamin and Judah, the very first king of Israel came out of the tribe of Benjamin. So they were a royal tribe. When they went back to their land after 70 years of bondage, Benjamin and Judah were the two tribes that survived. So you're talking about a royal line. My man, Paul, we put him on the front seat in a church because he's looking good. You come from Benjamin, you got a lot of money, brother. Come on up front. Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, both his mom and dad were Jews, pure Jews, pure lineage. He's a pedigree. Right? No one likes to buy mutts. Right? I don't want a mutt. I want a pedigree. Pedigree costs you $4,000. A mutt costs you $4. They do the same thing. They sleep. They eat. And you have a nice certificate. Where am I going? <laughs> okay. Where are we at? Pedigree. He was a Pharisee. Remember the Pharisees that Jesus ran into? They were strict on the law. Then he had zeal. He, Paul, before you met Paul, he was Saul persecuting the church in Acts chapter 7 and 8. When Stephen got stoned, Paul was the one holding their jackets and approving of it. Then Paul, Jesus met him in chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and changed his whole world around. What he thought was gain, he's calling it loss. Blameless. He exact the law. He was perfect in that law. Don't you, you can't break anything. You ever walk in a perfectionist house? You know why I grew up? We weren't allowed to play in the living room. In some houses, they used to rope off the living room when you came in the house. You weren't allowed to go. They show you all the stuff. It was nice. Slip, you know, plastic slip covers and all that. And you, you couldn't go in there. It was perfect. Kids weren't, we had to play in the basement. You can tear that up. But you don't tear up the living room. It's perfect. Perfect law. You know those who 
dot by dot by dot who live their lives like that drive you crazy. There's religious folks like that. How dare you do this? Don't you know the Lord said? If he said it like that, I don't want to talk to you anymore. He's blameless. But then he said this, whatever gain I had counted as loss. Then he went further than that. Because what happened was fame and reputation wasn't enough. What Paul was doing, he opened up a book of life as an accountant and discovered he was bankrupt. He discovered his, all his gains didn't mean anything for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus. Guys, don't put all your eggs in the wrong basket because you'll wake up at age 60 or 70 and say, everything I did didn't even count unless you put it on the right person, which is Jesus Christ, who everything comes from him. And it wasn't bad things that kept Paul from. It was the good things. All those were good. He wasn't sinning. They were good. But what happens when the good things become God things, they become bad things. When you put the good things over God, that's what the Pharisees were doing. Had great laws, but they were putting them above Christ. It became a bad thing. And we can't have confidence in the old nature. Because here it is. He was talking about self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, all everything depends on me. I'm the end of all things, what I know. And you don't want to be the end of all things because you're going to let your, your own self down. I heard a, a great um, public person, and I'm not going to say anything very professional. She's, um, she's very famous. She said a couple years ago, I let myself down. I let myself down. Of course, you're going to let yourself down. If you're the center of your whole life, guess what? You're not going to make it. So when he looked at that, he saw he's bankrupt. He goes into 8 through 11, says this. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And found in him not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that which comes from faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead of righteousness that comes from faith now it's interesting that word he said in there which is in verse 8 which we kind of read over it says rubbish this is the first word that you see if you translate it into Greek. It's a curse word in the Bible because it really means dung, cow dung. You know, your pedigree dog, when he eats too much. How many got babies? How many like changing diapers? I went to the nursery. Oh, everyone that said, oh, you need to go sign for the nursery duty right now. I think this is a uh, 
This one's a little moist. I get any, can I get any volunteers? No, get sit down. Yeah, come here. I want you to open this up and put it on your head. I want you to open it up and put it on your head. He ain't no punk, like he said. Don't look at it, just put it on your head. That was a freebie. This one was a freebie. What? It's nothing in it. Excuse me. Anyway. So you can sit down now, sir. I'm not going to make you do this one. Now, this one I found in the... Yeah, and it's like... (laughs) So I'm going to open this. Y'all ready? Don't worry about it. It's Pastor Rich holding it. Don't worry about it. You can talk about it for days. Pastor Rich had a poopy diaper. And you're talking about dung. Dung in the, you know, I'm not, I'm going to say it in English. How we used to say it to our children. Doo-doo. <laughs> Before you were born again, you called something else. It was a curse word. If you're in the military, you say it every other day. And you say, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. Man, you know, in these days, you call up your, you call up your youth pastor to do this because this is a youth pastor thing. Yeah. And youth pastor looking down, his head shining. The Lord ain't saved, so the Lord ain't going to do. Okay, here we go. Ooh. Can I have a tissue? Who got napkins? Thank you. All right, I'm going to open up, though. My wife says, don't open it up. Oh, I need a stand now. <laughs> Lord said, this is a great joke. Okay, here we go. Y'all ready? Yeah, see? What? You remember growing up when you dropped something on the floor, you say, kiss it up to God. So I'm going to kiss it up to God. Y'all feeling it, right? That's what he calls our righteousness. That's what he calls our righteousness. Y'all be okay, because we're going to have communion now. Y'all can... We're going to serve real wine so y'all forget about what happened. Y'all are tripping, man. Like, y'all want some? See, this brother ain't scared. There you go. Take the chocolate. That's chocolate. What do I do with my... Okay. <laughs> Rich, are we ready for communion, sir? Okay. What Paul was saying, that's what our righteousness looks like. That's what he saw in himself. It was just dung. And when you see those words, get you a Greek card and you get you a book and say, what does that word really mean? That's a curse word, really, in the Greek. And y'all are like, oh, my gosh. 
Now, y'all can go eat some chocolate at lunch. It's pretty good stuff. Jim Elliott said this. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When we sung this song, The Great Exchange, that's what we were doing, exchanging our lives, our will for God's. And that's what it is. You, can't, you try to keep your life. It says this in Mark 8.35. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. And that's what he's talking about. It's just a, trying to hold on to something when God says, give it to me. Jesus died on the cross. And when you think about Jesus Christ, his loss was our gain. Though he didn't lose. And that's how our lives are. And like I said earlier, Christianity is Christ. Anything apart from that, and walking with God is amazing. It's personal. When he talks about, I want to know him. I want to know him. Guys, come on up and let's go ahead and let's uh, pass out the elements. You're going to receive the communion elements. I'm just going to keep on talking. It's personal. It's powerful when he says this. I want to know the power. His power. I'm going to be intimate with his power of his resurrection. That means it's a powerful walk when you walk with Jesus. It's personal and it's powerful. And it's painful because he also says this, I want to share in his sufferings. It's very painful at times walking with Jesus. You can't, I talked to the guys about this the other day. When you're going through something, we can't escape the pain. But I told them, any pain you go through is a stair step to a new level of living. Because there's storms of correction when God is disciplining us, and there's storms of perfection when God is growing us up. Either way, you can always count on when you go, after you go through a storm, you learn something. And the last one is practical. Becoming more like him in his death. See that word becoming? This is a process. Becoming more like him in his death. It's a process. Not I am like him. Now I'm becoming more like him. So it makes a practical application of living this life as Christ asks us to live. Full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. It's practical. Becoming. It's not perfection. It's practical. And every step that you take with Christ counts. Even if it looks like it's a a negative or a minus, it counts. And as the elements are going by, we're going to take the elements together. Because I want you to realize all the things you came in thinking about. All the things you cannot even fix. You want to take time to recognize the one who can and who will fix it. And every time we take communion together, it says you do this in remembrance. I start to remember, oh, you're all powerful. You created the earth with a word. I can give you everything. And true faith is a faith, like we're talking about motion, that moves you. Because faith will produce something in your life. James 2.18 says this, But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It's not about the law and works. 
I want to talk to some people here this morning. Try trying to work out your salvation, trying to earn points. If I, I remember that. I used to have, a, I, was, I always thought the way God acted, like I was always trying to run around looking for approval from my father. Hopefully if I do this, if I do this, he'll approve of me. He'll approve of me. He already approved of you. Your position is in Christ. He sent his son. That means that's approval. Now he says, follow him. You work out your salvation through him. There's this personal goal and there's a personal purpose for each and every one of us. You walk it out through him, not work it out for him. If he didn't approve of you, we wouldn't have a savior. We wouldn't be here singing the songs. And we wouldn't be trying to touch our campus or high schools. As you're taking this communion, Here's the question I want to leave you with. What's most important to you? Is it your job? When's the last time you prayed, God, I just want to know you, not know the power. Give me the power to do this. If I want to know you more, I'll receive the power as a byproduct. And faith will produce something. Faith produces movement. When we talk about the gospel in motion, Paul looked at his life and said, wow, everything I can gain, my achievements. One thing the worst I I experienced in in the military was a man or a woman who came to the end of their time to retire. And they have all these awards and they have all these special flags. And I don't know where I was are right now. But they gained the whole world of the military. And you can tell at the, re- at the retirement ceremony, they lost their family. Because we know when the, when the ceremony is over, she and the kids are going somewhere else. They count it wrong. And you go to your first job, no one cares about the flag. No one cares about what you did. Because you're starting over again. They don't care if you, I took five people on a hill and so what? Can you pack a bag today? So we count wrong of our achievements. Even men, we're, we're bad at it. Say, so what do you do? We, we put our business cards. And continue what he says, I have to up him with my card. I'm glad I got a job. When I say I'm a pastor, they say, oh, I'm sorry for you. Because you don't make any money. But what are you counting today? How's your accounting? How about him? And let him flow out. As we take communion together, the Lord says this in 1 Corinthians 11. Just hold it up. Look at that. That's what it all comes down to. He had a purpose to set us free. A single purpose. Now we ought to, our single purpose is to glorify God in the midst of glorifying God with setting other people free. And happiness is a byproduct of joy. Finance is a byproduct of being submissive to Christ 
don't put your priorities on the byproducts. Put your priorities on the product. Because he didn't die for us. He didn't say something great. He just died to set people free. And as we partake of the bread, he says, you take, this represents my body, which was broken for you, for us. As we start to concentrate on it and see what happens when we concentrate, we forget about everything we were thinking about. Isn't that amazing? You can do this every day in your home. Let's take the bread together. Just reflect. Father, I thank you for your body that was broken for us. But you didn't stop there. Couldn't be finished unless there was blood shed. And the shedding of blood where there's remissions of sin. And Father, I thank you it wasn't our blood that was shed. It was your blood. To help us realize what's truly real, what's truly authentic. The blood of Jesus. The life of Jesus. Only the freedom that you give. And let's partake of the the cup. Father, I thank you right now for this amazing time.